And so wanting the job is hugely important. Your job, by the way, is to go in and to get every possible job you can. It's actually very important to, to be honest about your experience as well. And then the more honest they see you are, the more they're going to like you. I'll tell you a quick story that was interesting. There was a, um, and this is, this was a sad story, but it's actually a, a very interesting story. So I was at this law firm that's no longer in existence called Dewey Valentine. And, and they made this horrible mistake. One Friday, they sent out this email that was supposed to go to all partners, but instead it went to all personnel. And it basically in the email, they talked about all of the people that they were going to make partner, the people that they were going to not make partner and defer, and, and then comments about it won't leave if we defer for one year. And just a real big mistake. And then after doing that, they realized what they'd done, and then they shut down the power um, and the whole office so they could go in. It was funny. but and sent everyone home. But one of the guys that had received that email that was said, we're going to defer him, was upset, obviously. And on Monday, this partner came into his office and said, I need you to work on this task. And it was some kind of stupid thing that he wanted done right away that was really beneath the kind of work that a 12th year associate or whatever should be doing. And he was mad. And he said, you know what, I don't really want to do it right now. I'm in a bad mood about what just happened. And could, I, could you give me a little bit of time to, to cool off? And the guy looked at him and was like, all right, whatever. And then he came back into his office. And again, this is someone that had been at this firm for, keep in mind, like 12, 13 years. And he came back into his office and like a half hour later, and he said, you have two choices. One, you can sign the severance agreement and take this check right now. And it was a big check, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars. Or you can just be fired and leave. It's up to you. And, and this was a very old school partner that had come over from another firm. But think about that. I mean, just, the guy's saying, I won't do the job. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to listen to you. Give me some time. And he literally lost his job. The good news is the guy wound up at another big firm and years later became a partner there and, and much better off because Dewey Valentine went out of business. But the point is that's someone that showed they couldn't be managed. And I've seen so many examples of this. I saw one time when I was in a big firm, an associate decided to call reporters about a case or something and lost the job because of that. So anytime you do anything or give clues, you can't be managed. Law firms hate it and, and they'll, you know, you'll not get a job. So always give the impression that you can be managed. Always give the impression that you'll do whatever's asked to you in interviews and don't make it about you. And then the next one is, do we like you? People hire people that they like. And, uh, and so people really want connection. And in being liked is there's a lot of ways to be liked. Like one of them is to look like you really want the job. But another way to really be liked is just to be likable. And people, everybody, you included, wants connection. Life is very impersonal. You're, you go to stores and there's just, there's a lot that's very impersonal. But families and things are about connection. And that's what makes people the happiest is having connection. And so no one has enough connection. Very Everybody wants connection. And, and most people, when they look at you, they will decide whether or not they like you. So there's this kind of, there's studies, and I don't know if I've heard this or if I made it up somehow, but, but it's instinctively, I think we like about one third of the people we meet. One third of the people we meet, we dislike. And then the other third, we don't care. And so to make really good jobs and all the sorts of stuff, you people need to like you. And you always are able to get more jobs if people like you. And, and so what, do you, what is it about interviewing that makes people like you and how, to, uh, how does that work? If you're interviewing, for example, with a partner and you make them feel very important, 
and and like they're a big deal and love to be them someday. That's great. If you interview with someone, you know a lot about them. They're going to like that. If you are interviewing with an associate that's at your level and you act like you would be friends with them or like you guys would get along, they're going to like you. So you have to think about ways to be likable. And there's all sorts of books about that. There's Dale Carnegie books. There's like how to win friends and influence people. There's all sorts of ways to be likable, but you really want to be likable. So it's interesting, like how do people be likable? One of the first things you do is you never brag. Like you never talk about, uh, you know, how great you are. You always you always make sure that you, you say, you, you don't say you got lucky, but you say you feel very lucky or you make it like you're not better than people. You uh, you try to connect with people. You you make it seem like you're a good person. There's a there's an interesting book. It's called I don't know. I think it's called uh, Save the Cat First or something like that. What I think it's called Save the Cat or something. But it's actually very interesting about what they one of the tricks they use in movies. So if you watch movies or you watch shows enough, you'll notice that the show will always start or Save the Cat. I'm sorry, Save the Maybe it's not even called Save the Cat. But a show will always start and. And what the show will do is they'll show the, the main character that they want you to they'll show them giving a bum money or doing something nice for a child or volunteering or saving someone in distress or helping someone. And, and the reason they do that is because they want you to like the main character. So it's one of the oldest cinematic trips, tricks there is, is you want to get people to like the main character. They always show them doing something nice, being nice to a child or being nice to their spouse or doing something that you normally wouldn't expect. And so they want you to like them in character. And so when you go into an interview, you need to be likable as well. You become unlikable when you criticize others, when you act like you're important and you talk about your qualifications and things, or you talk too much. When you're asked questions, you're not, you're evasive. When you, when you don't ask the person questions about themselves, when you don't make a connection, when you, I've been in interviews before where people have been checking their cell phones. Like that's not good. Uh, you need to seem very focused on the person. One of the kind of rules, I think, of what makes people likable is you try to make it 80% of the person talking. And But when you say 80% of the person talking, it's the person talking about themselves, not necessarily just not just things like, oh, we're, we like team players and just not things about the firm, but 80% of the person talking about themselves. If you can get the person talking about themselves and then they're more likely to like you. And if you can seem like a good person or someone like in Save the Cat, the, the story, things about you that make you likable or you like them back, then they're more, much more likely to hire you. So you have to be likable. And then the final one is fitting in. And in a lot of cases, there's not much you can do about that. Different employers have different types of different types of people that they hire. I was reading a story, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, and they were talking about investment banks and and how in England they used to, they would take a look at your shoes and how you dressed and looked, and they would decide whether or not to hire you based on that. And what that meant basically back then was it was pretty much Saxons that were a certain type of person get hired and people that weren't didn't. And then they contrasted that with Goldman Sachs, which is, we came in and, and Goldman Sachs hired people based on merit and not and not all these other types of things that white shoe banks and things did. But to the extent that still exists, there's still cultures of different types of firms. And so you need to understand those cultures when you go in and you need to get a sense of what that culture is, because some cultures of the firms are very, the culture may be everyone worships the head of the firm. Another culture might be, it's very collegiate. All the people were in 
fraternities and sororities. Another culture might be it's very bookish. Another culture might be everyone closes their doors. You have to under, and there are different cultures like that. Some cultures would be, you know, all these people are from different firms and are only there to make as much money as they can. So every firm has a different culture and, and you need to understand that culture before you go in. And it's very interesting. Some cultures are, you don't know, but you have to understand that. So you read about that and you talk to people there and then you understand the culture. And so you have to act like that culture is something that you would fit in with. And, and that's really, and you have to understand it when you're going in. And then the better you do with that, the better off you'll be. This is the presentation. I'm glad we got done with it fairly quickly. I will take questions, but I did want to just go through some of these points again real quickly before we take a quick break and then come to questions. But again, this is the difference. Like doing this stuff will make a huge difference. Now, am I able, if I did an interview prep call with someone to get through all of these, to get them to 70, 80% by, do I have to do a 90 minute presentation with them? No. But what I do is I always will go through and I'll listen, I'll talk to the person. The person will say, I want to make sure that in this job, that this doesn't happen and this, and I'll just be like, no, you have to go in and look like this is the job you want. And they say, well, how do I talk about my past moves and everything like that? And you need to say, you need to frame, I've learned lessons that have made this, made me really want to be here today, or you have to figure out this and you have to, and you, and again, I will send this to everyone on the call when we get off, but you need to understand like this, these are the questions that people are having and they're not always going to ask them, but they're going to be in their mind. And, and if you've left a lot of jobs, they're going to need that. They're going to need to understand um, why you're likely to stick around. And, and then you need to come across as someone that really wants the job. And that, that, by the way, wanting the job is a very interesting thing. And I could talk about it all day. There's a story that I've told before and I'll tell it again. But one day I was uh, in law school at the University of Virginia. And, uh, and I was walking by and I was on the third floor going to see, a, I don't know, a teacher or something and a professor. And, and I walked by um, the, this waiting area and there was like all these kids sitting out there that would look, they didn't look like they went to the school because they were, I don't know, they just, I didn't know who they were. I'd never seen them before. And, and so I, I asked someone who they were and they said, well, these kids are all on the, the wait list because it was right at the beginning of the school year. And every year people will come and that are on the wait list and they'll sit outside the admissions officer's door and be like, I'm here in case you guys decide to get any space. And I thought it was very interesting. Like, and then I talked to one of the admissions people later and he said, and I was, and that was like, and that school at that time with that particular person who's no longer there, but that would be how people would get off the wait list because they were the people that really wanted to be there. Uh, and so wanting the job. I, is hugely important. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today.
And then being able to be managed is important and then being likable and all this stuff. So I would really, again, I will send this to everyone, but I would really encourage before you go into any interview to think about this and just to realize that all employers are doing an interview. They want to hire you. Everybody wants to hire you because they don't want to have to interview a lot of people that they want to find the best candidate right away and they want to basically move on. And it's no one likes having to spend hours interviewing people. No one likes having to, it's not fun for them to interview a bunch of people. It's not, it's time that they can't bill. It's, there's all sorts of problems with it. Everybody wants to hire you, but what everyone does, most people do, is they go into these interviews and they, they just give all these indications that they're the wrong person for the job. They're unenthusiastic. They're asking the wrong questions. There's no, that, that there's no, there's no fit. They're not trying to, they're not trying to sell themselves. All these are the problems that people do. And in this day and age, by the way, like with the way the economy is and with the way uh, things are going right now, I can't emphasize enough, like how important this stuff is, because if you, if you don't do it, just keep in mind, no preparation is 12 to 15% of what happens to people when they get an interview. They might as well. And then the preparation take, can take it up. These rules, by the way, that I'm showing you can take it up to 70, 80%. This is all you need to do. Why would you spend months like applying to places and waiting to get an interview and then getting an interview and not getting the job? And why would you do that when, when all you need to do is really do this stuff and psych yourself up? And uh, and that's it. It's And why is it only 80% or 70 to 80%? It's because the player maybe found someone better that did this better. But at the same time, this preparation is extremely important. I wish. I have candidates in tons of interviews and then never convert them to jobs because they don't want to, they don't want to be prepped or they think they know what they want or they want to go in and they want the employer to give them what they want. And none of this is about you. It's a whole kind of, it's a whole way of thinking about things that you're really, when you work for someone else, you're there in service of their economic needs, but also their ego needs, their their needs to manage people, their needs to to grow their business or their firm. You're there for others, not you. And I think that the biggest mistake that people make is they go into interviews and they just think about it from their point of view. What is this employer saying that's making, that's going to sell me? What is happening here? And your job, by the way, is to go in and to get every possible job you can. Like you, you can ask all these questions and, and things later, but you have to go in and sell yourself. And then the other final point that I would make is that you're an attorney. So there are attorneys out there that have, I know I worked once for an attorney that had never lost a case. And, and there are attorneys out there that have never lost a trial or have won everything. And, but what do those people do differently than the people that are losing or part of the fifth lose more than they win? Or what do the best people do? And the best people are the people that, that are prepared and they go into things and they're prepared and they figure out what they're doing. That's different. I remember once I was interviewing this guy named Phil Corboy, who's never, no longer alive, but considered the, for decades, the best personal injury attorney in Chicago. And how would he win every case? He was literally the, this incredible attorney. And what he used to do is he used to have his staff go and basically take every document in the case and, and dump it into a, a jacuzzi in his bathroom, which I mean, sounds funny, but I guess he had a giant jacuzzi. And, and mix up all the files. And then he would take each document individually and study and put them all together. I, I don't know exactly how the point was, but the idea was is he would know the case inside out and he would be completely prepared. And so being completely prepared means being able to answer all these questions for your interview. And you need to be prepared because if you're not prepared, um, someone else will be. And 
And there's a couple final points. One one other final point that I would make and that's very important is you may go into an interview and think that this employer is never going to pay me what I need, or this job's not going to lead to anywhere, or all these things. And you don't know the answers to those questions until you've gotten the until you've gotten the job and you've negotiated and you've made the employer aware of everything. I've seen employers raise people's salaries by 50%. I've seen employers give people huge starting bonuses, like 50 or $100,000. I've seen, I've seen things I can't believe, but all that stuff happens after you go in and you sell yourself. Like You have a lot more leverage to ask these kind of questions and to express doubts and all this stuff after you get the offer, but you need to go in to every interview and you need to be able to do whatever you possibly can to get the job. And, and that means using as much of your skills and things as you can and following these rules. So I will take a quick break and then I'll come back and then I'll answer everyone's questions. And I would, if I would ask, this is a workshop, I will answer questions as long as people have them. But I would, I would think about when you think about your interviews and things you've done in the past, what have you done right? What have you done wrong? And ask questions about them because my goal is to help you and get you to this kind of 70, 80%. And again, most people, 12 to 15%, that's where most people land on the interview scale when employers are really, um, when it's very easy to get up. So think about what is going on this gap with you. So I'll be back in a few minutes and then, and then we'll go into questions. Thanks. All right. So we're going to questions. Um, and so if you ask questions, by the way, if your name shows up, I won't, just so everyone understands, I will not show the question. I won't share your name. So I know everyone likes to be anonymous. So that's fine. Okay. So the first question is, what is the best way to respond? So anyway, I won't show your name if you ask a question. And then, but you should ask whatever your other types of questions you have. So what is the best way to respond to an interview question asking if you have specific experience practicing given area of law when you don't have the experience that you're capable of learning that? So no. So the idea would be that you would tell you're hoping to get this experience or you're excited to and you've really wanted to do it or get this type of experience. So that would be how you would respond to that sort of question. You just basically want to give the employer the idea that that's really what you want to do, that you really want that type of experience and you're excited about it and you're hoping to get it. That makes them happy. And and again, it's actually very important to, to be honest about your experience as well. So a lot of times people will come in and they'll try to act like they have all these different types of experience and they're very good at this and they're very good at that. And one of the things to remember about practicing law, I remember I was, we were interviewing a pretty cover letter last week and it was, I think it was from an attorney that educated outside the U.S. and they were talking about how they were an expert in this and an expert in that and an expert in this. And the biggest way to think about this stuff is to relate, to answer, when you answer every question, act like you, you're not an expert and need to learn. Um, so it was very interesting. I was talking to this guy that used that I used to live in my neighborhood, and he was a very well-known financial sort of person. I don't know in finance and very successful. Purchased Mel Gibson's old house or something for fifteen million dollars. This guy was very successful. And uh, but anyway, to, the long point short is, I was a, I used to ask him various questions. I'd ask, him, "What do you think about the economy?" And this and this. And his answer would always be, "I really don't know." And he would. And a lot of times the very best people will always say they're not sure, they don't know, or they, they, this is where they're headed, but they don't know. So if someone's asking you a question and you don't have all the experience, you would basically tell them you don't, and, but that you're, 
you know, that you're, but you'd be enthusiastic to learn that sort of thing. And that's really the best way to frame it. And then the more honest they see you are, the more they're going to like you. If you did lose a job in the past, what role can references from that job pain overcome the inference that you lost your job because of poor performance or you were laid off? So one of the things is right now, so many people are losing jobs. It's pretty bad. And if you have lost your job, I certainly apologize and I hope, but you can certainly offer references. And, but one of the things is, especially for young attorneys, I would say, if you have less than a couple of years of experience and an employer lays you off, I would, in most cases, it's, in, in most cases, it's probably, in, unless there's major things you were doing, like not being manageable and, and putting your needs first and stuff, it's usually not your fault. It's usually the employer's fault for not having enough work, for overhiring and all sorts of things. The way to overcome these inferences that you've lost your job because of poor performance or were laid off, there's a couple of things that I've noticed that the best attorneys do. And this is actually a good point. And so what do you do if you're laid off or you, what is it, what kind of signals can you send the employer if you were laid off that are going to make them like you more or what can you do to help yourself? So most people that are laid off will watch Netflix or they will worry, have a recruiter help them or whatever and, and not do anything. So the best way to act if you're laid off is really to show even more of a commitment than you had before. So what does that mean? So what that means is you do things like you could write articles. You could take classes related to your practice area. You could do whatever you possibly can. You could do, you know, just whatever. You could become become more of an expert in, in whatever ever, ever practice area you're doing. You could join associations related. Any, this is what people do that are very, very good because this sends the right signal. So I was working once with a woman who was actually pretty sad. She was in Atlanta and lost her job. And I don't know what happened, but the firm just basically blackballed her and, and everything made it very difficult for her and, and didn't necessarily, I don't know why, but she was, but she had a very strong personality and she started taking all these classes and writing about our practice area and, and joining all these associations and traveling to all these events and things. And I was like, God, this happened to me. Like what? I couldn't believe it. And. So I became very, I became her advocate and was like telling these firms, like, this is incredible. Look at all the stuff she's doing, even though she's not employed. And, and she ended up getting a very good job with a, after being unemployed before she found me, she'd been unemployed for over six months. And I got her a very good job at a firm in, in the Bay Area. And she was from Atlanta. She had no connection to the Bay Area. And not only that, but after that firm went out of business, it was one of these, it was like an IP boutique and it closed. And then, but she had continued with this expertise and whatever it was she was doing, I don't remember what it was. It was some sort of things related to software. And, but she continued and she set her, started her own practice and the practice is a very successful practice now. And it's, she's got her own firm is very successful. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. This is what the best people do. They stay committed and they continue pushing forward. So yeah, your references are okay, but really 
The most important thing is you're continuing and showing even more of a commitment than you have before, because anybody can do nothing if they're laid off or lose their job, but very few people double down and keep pushing and learning and being enthusiastic. Because imagine, what, imagine, how does that look? How does it look to the employer if someone comes in even more enthusiastic than they were before? It's very rare because most people just get depressed and they withdraw or they become angry. And But very few people show more commitment than they have before. And that's very rare. And I haven't seen that. I hardly ever see that. Most people withdraw. And the reason I like this, showing more of a commitment, is because uh, that's the exact opposite of what people do. Like one of the reasons, by the way, and this is a hopefully will help you and one on this call, because I'm sure there's got to be, there's so many layoffs happening right now and people losing their jobs. Most people, the reason there's a, I think that there's a, that people, especially large law firms, don't like people that have been laid off. There's a couple of reasons. But one is because they have their choice. They could choose someone that's been laid off versus not. And so obviously, especially in a large city, it's going to be much safer to hire someone that's currently in good standing with their employer than someone that's looking for a job. I mean, just think about it. Um, you're a big firm and you get 200 applications for the same job. And one of them is happily employed at a big firm and the other's hasn't worked in three months, that's a problem. And you would do the same thing if you're a large employer, you would favor the person that's not, that's currently employed. But the next thing is that, and that I would say is that the other reason that employers don't like people that have been laid off is because most of the time, what the people that have been laid off are angry and, and they, and they typically take it out on the next employer. I, some of the worst mistakes that I've made are hiring people in my, that have been fired from their employers. So I used to be, and I still am, I would have candidates who would lose their jobs and be fired. And I wouldn't really know the reasons why, but, or get too much into it. But I'd be like, this is horrible. You've got this incredible background and, and did all these things. And now you're not employed. Let me try to help you. That was just how I would. And I know no one's hiring you because you're not having you. So let me set you up in this recruiting job. I would say that it was probably my competitors or lots of them, people that, have, that I've hired in the past are typically were became very angry and angry at me and and then ended up having issues with me and creating problems and so a lot of times when and that's the employer's perspective is when they hire people even if they feel sorry for them and they bring them in those people a lot of times can make problems because they're mad and so they they take out on the next employer i told you earlier about the guy i hired from disney and there's little examples of that the most problematical people that i've ever hired have been people that were had been fired and were angry and they took it out on the next employer. And then the problem is if you're fired or you lose your job, you don't trust the next employer. You're going to cover your behind, your any second you could lose your job because maybe you were surprised the last time you did and you don't know. You don't trust people. You're so you have to be very careful. And this is a really good question, I because there's a lot going on. So my way to respond would be if you're laid off, it's just something was wrong with the firm, or maybe you made a mistake, but you have to double down and be even more committed than you were in the past. So it's very few people do that. Most people become sour grapes and they carry that with them throughout their career. And being fired can be dating for people. They can define their whole life that way. And in most cases, when people are fired, by the way, and I just want to go back to these reasons, most of the time when people are fired, and it's not always the case, but most of the time, the employers are choosing when they have to let people go. And a lot of times the people that they're letting go are people that are very difficult to manage. So that's one of the things that they just, you know, they don't look like they're on the side of the employer. That's really a lot of times how it works. Not always, but that. So back to the question, just to make sure I do answer it. 
References play a big role, but large firms, like the most prestigious firms, like the most prestigious firms in, in New York, for example, like I've had people that have been, that have literally left their firm after three or four months and checked into a mental clinic or something and been there for two or three months and then got out. And after having had a nervous or whatever kind of breakdown, and then given references and the firm will give them incredible references. Say, yes, this person was great. They were hoping we're pulling for them or whatever, if, they, if I know. But so a lot of times law firms will just give you very good references no matter what. And that's what they should do. The firms that don't are typically not the best firms, to be honest with you. They, the, but the very, very best firms, in my opinion, will always give good references. So yeah, they can play a role. But the question when someone's checking references is always, would you hire the person again? Would you? And you just don't know how that's going to be answered. So I think the best way to, to deal with the situation is really if you're laid off, just double down, like commit to your practice area, commit to knowing people, commit to everything you could possibly can do because most people don't do that. There's one other story that I'll tell real quickly. It's a fun story, but it's when I was in, I don't know, when I was young, I was going to Spain with this teacher and, and we're all on a plane, this big plane flying over to Spain. And I wasn't a teacher I knew, but it was at a different, and everyone said, well, tell us a story, tell us a story again. There's a story that he always used to tell. And this is, again, this will be very helpful if you have been laid off or ever think about getting laid off. And they kept saying, tell us a story, tell us the story. And so eventually he's okay, I'll tell the story again. And the story was pretty interesting. It was, he was in Cuba and he was locked up for being a capitalist. I don't know, but he was locked up in this horrible prison and, and everyone around him was using drugs and not taking care of themselves and fighting and everything. And he, he said that he, what he did is he got up every day and he exercised and keep shave and take good care of himself. And, and so he looked very good and, and everyone in the prison looked horrible. And so he said one day there was visiting hours and, and someone, and I don't know how he got new clothes and everything, but when the visiting hours ended, he just walked right out of the prison and no one knew anything from the di difference because he would he managed to take care of himself in the middle of this horrible situation. And so this is what you need to do if you're laid off. You need to you need to double down and become even better and more a better attorney and more of that than than other people around you. And that's again, most people they get mad, they don't take responsibility and all that sort of thing. If I'm willing to relocate if I get a job, what is the best way to tell them? So if I was if I was anyone on this call and I was looking for a job, what I would do is I would apply as many places and as many markets as I possibly could. Now, this isn't something that most people do, but it, it works. And, and you will, if you apply to a lot of markets, there will be people that are interested in you and you should. So I recommend that everyone do that. Now, there's certain markets like California, if you don't have the bar in Florida, New York, you, you definitely need to have some things going. But what's the best way to tell them if you get the job? You say, I'm very interested in living here. I, 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 I have friends here, or this is the exact kind of community I want to live in, or, or you give people that indication. I've interviewed people before coming out to work in Los Angeles, and they could be in South Florida or something, and then they come out to interview. And I'm like, what did you do? You came in on Friday and it's Monday. What have you been doing all weekend? And they say, oh, I, I'm very excited. I've been looking at houses and talking to realtors. And I'm like, wow, you must really want to so, so you make people feel like you have some sort of interest in the area and that you're very enthusiastic. And if you're able to do that, then people are much more likely to want to, uh, to hire you than if you don't, because they want to feel like you're connected to the area or you have some interest in it.
Yeah, it's how important is it to research the law firm prior to the interview? Yes, you should read everything you possibly can. You shouldn't read negative information. You should read positive information. You shouldn't put thoughts in your mind. You should put nothing but positive thoughts in your mind. And you should feel very good and enthusiastic about the firm prior to the interview. You should do what you possibly can to look to understand the firm and to know a lot about it. And the more you learn, you should also visualize yourself working there and think about those sorts of things. But the more you research the firm and the more you know about them, the better off you're going to be because you're going to, people again, like people that like them. And if you are able to research the firm, you'll be much better off. Okay. Here's another interesting question. I love these longer questions. So this is a good one. All right. So let's see. I graduated my JD 10 years ago and just took the February bar exam. Okay. I'm looking to work in my hometown of I once hired someone from Spartanburg and I loved her accent and the market to work at another company. And the market is very small. I've been reaching out to firms and there appears to be some opportunity. Once I get the bar result, I plan to make another round of contact with various firms. Is there any advice you can think about to convince a few firms that are thinking about expanding hiring a new associate? I've been in luxury service sales for 10 years. Okay. So law firms, when they're hiring and 10 years isn't that long. So you I mean you could be in your mid thirties for all I know. If you do want to get hired, you need to make, you basically need to convince people to hire you. So if I was looking for firms in Spartanburg, you could probably, I don't know what kind of firms there are there, but you, there, there's got to be personal injury firms. There's probably family law firms. What I would probably recommend, and I recommend for everyone on this call that's looking for a position is you basically have two types of firms. You have consumer facing, which are representing individuals. And then you have company facing, which are representing companies. As I'm sure you're aware, the most difficult jobs to get are going to be by the company facing without getting too far into it. That's companies have a lot of money to spend. They want to hire attorneys with the best pedigrees and whatever. And then consumer facing firms, the consumers don't know University of Michigan Law School from Thomas Cooley. It doesn't, they don't know. And Thomas Cooley, again, is not a bad school. I'm just saying that, but they don't there's obviously there are different schools. I don't even think it's called, I think it's called Detroit. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the point is that consumer jobs are much easier to get. So anybody that's trying to get a position and not having a lot of luck, you're actually always going to be able to get, anybody can get a job in a consumer facing law firm. It could be doing consumer bankruptcy. It could be doing personal injury. These positions don't pay a lot of times, but the benefit is, is you learn a type of law. It could be immigration that where you can actually make a lot of money in the future because you can start your own business and stuff. So if you were in luxury service sales and you do consumer facing work, then you're going to be much better Then that's good. And you could actually have a very good career doing that. But so that's what I would do is I would look at consumer facing law firms and, and they will, someone will hire you because these are, that's personal injury, it's divorce, and those sort of things. That's how I would be able to get a job. In Spartanburg, South Carolina, I'm sure there's tons of people or firms that, you know, that you, you would be able to get a job at. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.